0: Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Here to talk all things Arsenal is your host, Matthew Wade. Hello again, listeners, and welcome to another Daily Canon weekly podcast. Uh, It's a solo podcast this week from me because, uh, well, it's nearly Christmas time. Uh, It's the middle of winter and uh, Anita's just had a baby. Congratulations, Anita. Uh, Paul is suffering with uh, colds and other ailments. Uh, Helen is uh, busy looking after babies. Uh, Stephen is too busy producing our fantastic web content and so on and so on. So you've just got me for this week. So we won't be going quite as long, but hopefully I will say some things that you might find interesting along the way. So firstly, what a difference a week makes. Uh, this time last week when I was talking to Paul, we had lost two games in a row, two very frustrating games, games which perhaps we could have won, should have won, certainly in terms of other level of performances in those games compared to in previous games, and also the way in which we lost both those games was incredibly disappointing. Although interestingly, if one looks at a more detailed statistical analysis of the game at Goodison Park, despite our terrible performance for large stretches that game, very limp and lacking in assertiveness, we did actually still um, have more uh, advanced stats in our favour in terms of chances created, expected goals, individual opportunities, although admittedly a lot of that's down to game state and quite a number of those came in the last few minutes um, between their equaliser and Damari Gray's wonder goal winner. So, as I was saying last week to Paul, I expected there to be a reaction from the team, particularly with us being at home, which seems to be a, more of a comfort than in recent years, where our home form has been patchy. But of course, the return of fans has also seen our away form uh, be a little patchier as well, except for some reason against Leicester City, who we more often than not do quite well away at. <laughs> Go figure. Um, Southampton were a good team to be playing. Um, I predicted 3-1, so 3-0 was even better than I thought. Um, Southampton obviously had a, a few little injuries, players missing, particularly in their front line, and therefore didn't, weren't, didn't carry the same threat they might. But also there's just something not quite clicking about them at the moment. But also I just expected the team, particularly with Arteta, having made the same... Selection, which I think was a surprise to many to try and make up for a display that I think they probably would have acknowledged amongst themselves was disappointing against Everton. The start was shaky. Um, certainly uh, lots of misplaced passes from certain individuals. People looking rusty. Jacques are still looking like he's finding his feet uh, even though he sometimes plays like he's got diving boots on at the best of times. Um, and Odegaard was very sloppy initially in that game but... The key thing was our intentions were still very positive. We didn't carry over the intention of the second half against well, the last twenty five minutes against Man United and the and the almost majority of the Everton match. We had a much more progressive mindset, a much more aggressive and assertive mindset. And even though there was problems with our pass completion and our technicality in uh, in the opening quarter of the game against Southampton we were trying to play forward we weren't just picking the easy safe uh, El Nini combo type passes that we've all seen too much in recent years and of course that did come to fruition wonderfully with the opening goal where an ability to take the ball under pressure be ambitious in our passing a bit close at times but again Ramsdale distribution important uh, great composure and the value of Tomiyasu being able to control the ball and, and then in some cases, pass with either foot, um, a- and we got out around Southampton's press. They are a very high pressing team, although perhaps that doesn't it's not too bad for us because they don't have as much quality as certain other high pressing teams. So as long as we can avoid making stupid mistakes, we that's a quite good match up for us because they're not just sitting off when they're not just playing on the counter attack, which is something we or not just playing in a very physical way as we, we euphemistically say Everton did so that, that gives us something that we can apply that kind of style of football to and what a goal it was um, yeah, as I say everyone involved in it took the ball well under pressure uh, moved it on well there was good decisions made and even when there wasn't good decisions made there were, you know in terms of the, the, the next pass everyone helped out their colleagues And uh, again, Saka showing the benefit of being, wow, a left-footed winger who learns how to kick it with his right foot. Um, And um, lovely ball across, Lacazette, with exactly the kind of pass he likes to receive, where he can hit it first time, uh, not too far out, but, you know, he can focus on just making a connection and being relatively accurate with it, which is, that kind of position has always been a strength of his. uh, A good first-time striker of of the ball right into the top corner and from then on it was a bit of a stroll uh, particularly the second game so second goal came so quickly much scrappier not a great cross from Tomiyasu uh, not a great first attempt to at doing anything with it by Kieran Tierney but Perseverance and Martin Odegaard, possibly the least likely person to score with a header in the team popped up uh, between Southampton slight dishevelled centre-back partnership and it felt at that stage it was pretty much game over and that was well proved to be the case, and indeed, it, it could have been a hammering. Southampton by the end were quite lucky to get away with having only conceded the three goals. Uh, even though our, you know, if you look, again, if we're looking at advanced stats, our xG wasn't stratospheric, and actually Southampton had more shots on target than us. We just got into so many dangerous situations. Uh, of course, uh, hit the post a couple of times as well, or posted and um, yeah, and generally were very much in control of the situation and uh it really allowed us to, to to kind of relax i suppose um nice for gabriel to get the goal for his for celebrate his new child and it's nice for us to find out uh, someone's having a baby via a celebratory means rather than the usual uh you know reporting by perhaps over overly interested journalists um, uh, a little more clinical, and we could have really taken the feet off the gas. But I think, I guess, you know, the fact the game was sewn up by the hour mark really, and it was just a case of did we want to try and go on to score more? Um, did make going into the West Ham game a little easier than it might have done if Southampton provided a stiffer test. Um, and of course, it gave a much needed boost to the camp after two bad performances and a lot of question marks. And of course, one can't ignore the backdrop of. Uh, the captain, and ex-captain um, the, the appearing at Bamiyang um, at that stage hadn't been stripped to the captaincy, but were a number of us were speculating when that would happen, but of course was left out of the matchday squad. And so the manager really needed the team to put in a performance for him uh, in the same way as didn't happen when Arsene Wenger tried to discipline Alexi Sanchez by only having him on the bench, only to go crawling back to him at half-time, albeit in a much more difficult fixture. Um, and the way that the teams come together in these two games, and everything they've said in interviews, and everything the noises around things does suggest that uh, there's no issue with the manager's decision on this particular matter. Um, you know, I think most professional footballers, as has been illustrated by a lot of comment, you know, from various pundits and ex-players in the press, you all know that their timekeeping, lateness, whatever is. Uh, something that's very much demanded at the top level. Um, and there is suggestion that perhaps uh, it may have been a bit more than that, and also on a somewhat regular basis. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get into any sort of character assassination of Pierre And You know, he's been a, a, an excellent pro for the majority of his time at Arsenal to date. I expect him to try and come back and, you know, get over the disappointment and try and do what he can, particularly to get back in the team and you know particularly as this is a squad which is far from perfect but it has the, the opportunity to achieve something uh, this season given the inconsistencies of some of the, the teams around us and uh, also his wages mean there's not been really a lot of suitors wanting to take Bamiyang off our hands and I don't think he's going to uh, just I don't think he's the kind of player who will sort of slightly down tools, as the way that Özil did at times, although not as much as suggested. But I do, I do suspect that uh, it is going to take him a little while to recover from this. But the fact is, is your captain has. If you're captain, you have to adhere to the rules more than anyone else. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons I suspect why a number of people questioned whether a as captain was a great long-term decision. You know, was it to try and get him to sign a new contract in the first place and send him a vision? Was it because at that point he was at the absolute peak of his powers and was, and was being a good role model? We, we don't know the exactities of it, and there's little point speculating about detail. Um, but as captains before have shown us, you know, when you've got a a captain that is very consistent in the way that they uh, apply things and commands that respect. I mean, you know, I suppose the most recent example would be Murtasaka, who, despite his limitations as a player, um, you know, is not the most skillful, uh, not the most mobile. Towards the end of suffering with injuries. Uh, did have respect for the way he conducted himself, and was very much had a, lot, a strong dressing of authority, and was an, you know a consummate pro by all accounts, and respected by everyone, and so he uh, he lived the standards which then he upheld strongly uh, regarding others. I, I suspect Bamiyang's probably less of a an influencer of others in that sort of way, uh, just as a personality. Um, you know, he's, he's, he seems like a. Yeah, you know, I'm not suggesting he doesn't take his football very seriously, but he seems like a slightly more easygoing, happy-go-lucky guy uh, in general, day to day, and um, that means perhaps he's not the the dressing room figure that Arteta would need in, in, with such a young team. Uh, not to suggest the young players have been doing anything untoward, but more that uh, as they become more successful and get more attention, it's probably good to have a stronger, stabilising influence in charge, and of course with that in mind if the captain as is, has been even if they're relatively minor indiscretions has been, you know, guilty of uh, doing a few things wrong a number of times that can undermine other messages being given, being sent out it can also make it more difficult for uh, the manager to keep control of the dressing room I guess And, and, and also just uh if the captain has a role in leading others it's very hard for him to try and apply standards to others which he's not applying to himself um, you know all this is incumbent on on just taking the loosest available information I'm not going to get into the the debates of of how justified of Yang may have been or may have felt in doing what he did or even what exactly he did um, I think we can all empathise with the initial reasons why he was away, but we don't know the detail, uh, and we don't know if it's something where the club has taken a slightly stronger line than it would because Arteta's is being quite draconian, or there's a worry about bad habits infecting others, or if it's something that Aubameyang has actually been quite badly behaved in a, you know, and not in a, when it comes to such practicalities a few times Um, in any event it's something that really had the potential to blow up in the manager's face and really badly affect the squad but as it happens uh, the team's won two games in a week and has elbowed its way into the top four albeit with more games played than others that have the opportunity to pass us um so, yeah, the, the Southampton win was really important for confidence, for feel-good factor. Definitely, you know, a number of people I know who were at the game commented on how much they enjoyed it, how it felt more like the good old days. Um, and then that put a pressure on it to make sure that the follow-up game against West Ham was not a damp squib, not a return to bad habits. And West Ham, you know, they're a team that they're... they're David Moyes has got a squad which are full of experience which is also a euphemism that perhaps they're a little older in certain positions um, but they're, they have a very clear identity they're, they're obviously a huge set-piece danger as we all know but um, should have been able to expect more I guess in terms of their performance but I'm not complaining because Arsenal really turned up on the day. It was a, a game of certainly higher intensity than we'd seen certainly even higher intensity than the game against Man United was at any point point. Um, and Arsenal Arsenal came out to play and it meant business and West Ham who were just hitting a little bit of a wobble, perhaps it's the fixture build up and a few injuries at the back just couldn't quite match Arsenal's intensity for most of the periods of the game and certainly not the mobility Arsenal had going forward. Uh, Particularly strong performances from Bakayo Saka, um, which is great to see. That it's it's you know after Martinelli was fantastic against Southampton and was very good again at, uh, at times last night against West Ham as well, and obviously Smith throws great form earlier in the season. You know it's it's fan- and Erdegaard's goal scoring. It's great to see these younger players sharing down sharing around you know man of the match performances between them uh, and. I mean, how Saka didn't end up with a goal and had only a, 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 a very simple uh, simple pass assist in the match is surprising given how terrified West Ham were of him, how they, they had two or three people up against him virtually the entire match and how he absolutely did Masuaku, the standing left-back, about four or five five times in this match. Um, and, you know, was very unlucky not to score due to a good block from Diop. Uh, So very welcome man-of-the-match performance from someone who only a few weeks ago others were questioning form levels. Um, But it was a strong performance throughout the team. Um, You can't say anyone didn't perform well. Lacazette certainly did over the last couple of games as made up somewhat for his terribly limp performance at Everton. Um, Just... Still, I mean, there's still some of the flaws are there. He still obviously doesn't have the, the athleticism or the physical dominance to, to influence games in the way that other strikers can. And is still, for my mind, into some, when he drops deep, he drops a little bit too deep and doesn't give well, can't then get into a potentially goal scoring position if the team transitions from beyond that. But he played a key assist for Martinelli's expertly taken goal. And generally, uh, was putting a huge amount of pressure on the referee throughout the match. Uh, won a penalty, uh, which is I have to give credit to David Moyes who, uh, accepting it was a penalty on reflection. It was one of those ones that the first couple of times you looked at it, it didn't look like a penalty, but then the more you saw it, the more it looked like a penalty because because of the uh, the follow through and the out of control nature of the tackle and the way that he, well, you know, there was a, not dangerous, but a little bit of force behind it, and you put all those factors into one. Uh, particularly the fact that he didn't get enough of the touch on the ball at first to have stopped an unimpeded Lacazette continuing on his merry way. Yeah, so it was it was a very positive return uh, from the captain on the night, and we have to say also credit where it's due to a referee that uh, has been subject to my ire for a long time, <laughs> and I'm still not convinced by, but you know. He gave he gave Arsenal a penalty when a lot of refs wouldn't, even if it was technically the right decision. Um, I mean, it was still a, a very interesting, inconsistent refereeing performance with the odd random decision in it that didn't seem to make any sense. But, hey, uh, more of them went in Arsenal's favour perhaps last night than before, except from the f- a couple of the free kicks in which West Ham generated some of their only chances. Um and having the, the balls to once having made that decision to then send Soufal off uh, which obviously made the game a lot easier for the last 20 minutes for Arsenal than it might have otherwise been having not got that second goal at that point um, you know there's so many times in recent fixtures we've seen referees bottle those opportunities I mean, Jesus we saw Mike Dean up at Goodison again we talked before about how Ben Godfrey could have been sent off about five times in that match if you combined all his offences so it was nice to see uh, someone uh, against us getting punished for once. Uh, sadly, it wasn't so nice to see Fabianski, who's always had a penalty saving him, uh, do exactly that. Uh, particularly, there was quite a well-directed penalty from Lacazette. It, that was going pretty close to the corner of the net. It was just a case of the goalie Reddit. it, um, and that could have been a big moment. And of course, you know, in, after recent years, I'm sure a lot of Arsenal fans were here. We go again. How are we going to throw this away? Um, and there were some definitely some nervy moments in the team in the 10 minutes after the penalty miss. Um, But then we sort of regained our composure and actually probably should have scored a a couple more goals than we did. This was one of the first games in a while where Arsenal, uh, notably underperformed their XG, uh, despite scoring. And uh, there was a, Again, what was lovely was there was a diversity to the people who were getting into potentially goal scoring situations. I mean, we saw uh, that a great block to stop Granite Xhaka getting a goal early on, long before he started, you know, when, it, when encouraged by the crowd putting balls high into the stands. Um, uh, Ironically, of course, this game was the best game that Lacazette's had for XG in <laughs> certainly this season, and for quite a lot of last season. And it's, and and yet he missed the penalty, so his uh, uh, he, he gets a black mark for that. Um, I thought I thought against West Ham, you know, West Ham are quite a. Without being dirty, they're quite a physical team. They've got quite a lot of athleticism and size in the team. And I thought that presented a challenge at times for Odegaard, who's had some lovely touches and passes here and there, but couldn't impose himself on the game as much as he did against Southampton in, you know, as that game went on. But we just had a bit too much mobility for them, particularly in transition. Um, good to see Thomas Partey, despite not a perfect performance, but showing a bit more authority and a bit more confidence in, in what he's going about his business, it seems that it's the bizarre Granit Xhaka effect that even though Granit Xhaka didn't do anything particularly outstanding he is one of those players that that makes whoever plays alongside him generally feel a little bit happier about life um, and I think it's because despite his limitations Xhaka is confident and has a composure to him for large parts of the game which must transmit and um, and that's not to say that Jacker played badly or anything, or to criticise him. There was times in the first half where he was moving the ball too slowly, and but that's Jacker doing Jacker things. We know that it's when he's not totally cooking, he comes a little bit slow to pass, and he, I mean that's how really where you identify his best form is when he's being punchy, delivering so those punched passes through at pace. You know, one-two touch off either foot as well. That's when you know he's really, really flowing. Um, wonderful second goal on the counter attack. Again, the. Uh, Tomiyasu Saka combination working both defensively as well as going forward which is really positive uh, now and looking ahead and uh, Smith Rowe had about three people to pass to but in the Smith Rowe of last season would have tried to probably pass it to all three of them Uh, but this is a Smith Rowe who wants to score goals and believes he can score goals and with a lovely shot with his wrong foot um, or weaker foot shall we say more accurately into the bottom corner of the goal uh, against the direction travel so you know goalkeeper had no chance um, and uh, yeah I mean he's now our joint top goal scorer in the Premier League this season alongside the ex-captain it feels funny saying that um, and he's yeah that's he started 13 games he scored 6 goals that's pretty good for a player of his position positions under any circumstances particularly with a player that is still just 21 Um, and again apart from the few minutes after we missed the penalty what I was really impressed by was the control we had against West Ham it felt like a game of although intensity and a bit of nerves we didn't really feel under danger Uh, for the vast majority of the game we restricted West Ham to almost nothing as an attacking force I think they had one shot in target all match Um, uh, you know even though the possession stats were quite similar we we, well we had more possession than them obviously but they didn't hurt us in any way and I think that well again going into the advanced stats the XG against us this season was almost as low as any team's had with a, with 0.3 of a goal uh, when we really should have scored 3 or 4 looking at the XG um, so you know, it's quite apart from the chances so it's a, a real uptick of form for us and also shows, a, shows that West Ham are perhaps returning to earth a little bit with the fixtures building up and um, and again, a second week and a bounce brings back the good feeling, particularly in an important game, important for the league uh, at home so you're connecting with some of the fans again, uh, or rather than just the smaller group of away fans who tend to be the most uh, rapidly loyal, shall we say. Um, but also very important for the manager having made the decision to keep Aubameyang out of the picture for another game. And um, it's hard to read what Arteta says because he often sounds harsher than he, his actions then signify. He seems to exile people for a bit and then bring them back if they do the right things. Um, but certainly, he's not he's not uh, standing there with open arms for uh, Abamian. And whether that's whether that's because Abamian has done something or or has been doing something very bad that we don't wear it, know of, or that if he was very angry about the captains he taken been taking off or whether it's the club recognizing that here is a player on a huge amount of money who's increasingly looking like they're not going to be providing great value for money uh, is there a little bit of the club thinking okay well let's just see if you know if he if he's not playing where is he at um, is he going to take it? In a professional way, or is he going to throw the toys out of the pram? Which, not that I'm suggesting he has, but people will make those those accusations. Um, so you know, this the results help the manager retain his authority. It probably, in a way, makes it easier as well for Abameyang I to integrate back into the team if the team's doing fine without him, um, because you don't have this rift. You don't have the idea that him doing a misdemeanor actually cost the team particularly that hasn't happened Um, and and it also takes a little bit of the pressure off because he has struggled a little bit with fatigue in a couple of games you know his work rate has been very good for parts of this season so far Um, certainly greater than it has been for for much of his recent career so you know depending on how Damien takes it there are some positives to this um but it's also entirely possible the club looks at the rest of his contract and thinks, hmm, well, we're getting value for money here. Maybe we shouldn't be so quite so tolerant of some of these idiosyncrasies as we would be under other circumstances. I mean, hell, it's no secret the club looking for a striker. Uh, we're being linked with all kinds of people. Uh, there's generally a fairly consistent profile of being uh, better in the air, better at holding the ball up, um, but still being you know athletic and and being able to uh, stretch defenses a little bit as well um so there's obviously there's quite a few strikers around of that ilk uh, vlavic is the name that won't go away but i think with his current goal scoring record and his likely transfer fee, that's probably uh, not the most likely choice although i can certainly see the appeal he, he he would fit better into the way that the rest of the team is constructed but we're making do with the strike force as is. And, you know, I'm sure we'll see a lot of rotation amongst the attacking players for the rest of the season. And the hope is that that will, uh, yeah, that will be a positive, um, that we can, that will allow us to keep these players fresh. And, uh, and as long as we can just keep them biding and bought in enough to, to remain committed to what we're doing, it could, it could yet pan out in a positive way. Um, Anyway, great to see Arsenal as a result of this fixture in fourth at this point in the season for the first time in a few years. Um, It doesn't mean anything longer term, but just the fact we're there. It's a bit of a statement, uh, particularly given that we started the season so badly. Obviously fixtures coming up. We've got a decent set of fixtures Uh, in in immediacy we've got uh, away at a struggling Leeds this weekend who look like they might be having the standard Bielsa's been here for a couple of years effect Um, got obviously the League Cup game at home against Sunderland where we'd imagine that a lot of the people that have not been seen in some time suddenly become seen Uh, away at Norwich who are a little better under Dean Smith um, but still is a team we should be uh, looking to come away with that fixture from three points and then hot on the heels of that we've got a home at Wolves, which will be challenging, but our home record against them is pretty decent. Um it's I haven't seen quite enough of them under the new manager to see how they will set up for the game, particularly if Huang, their partner for Jimenez, has done his hamstring as this is some suggested he might have done. Jimenez has got a money knock as well. If if, I, if either or both of those guys are missing, that changes the prospect of the game quite a lot, I think but that's a home game which we should expect to win and then it's New Year's Day when we've got Man City at home and that's a real, real test Uh, I think even though we're on an uptick I think most Arsenal fans would be happy if we even get a point out of that game just the way that Man City are able to set up the depth of squad they have and the way that uh, the head coach uses that um, squad to... To present a a range of challenges, uh, which I don't think we're quite ready for the containment of, particularly as Pep seems to seems to know how to read what Arteta is going to do. Um, But you know, obviously, if we win the next three league games, we come into that one feeling happier about things and takes the pressure off a bit, uh, which which is important. Following league game after that is away at Spurs, so January starts being to be challenging, uh, and then you know we're not long into February uh, where we've got. Uh, we've got some tricky fixtures I don't know quite when the Chelsea fixtures going to be rearranged too that will, due to their Champions League commitments but we'll have them at some stage around now and then we'll have Liverpool at home as well uh, but ultimately we have to take great great comfort from the fact that we're in fourth place having played yeah, some of our most difficult games of the season already. You know, we've 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 played away at Man United. Okay, it didn't go well. We lost away at Liverpool. We lost away at at Man City. Yeah, we lost at home to Chelsea. Um, so those have gone badly, but it just shows how well the other fixtures against the teams in, towards the lower half of the table or in mid table have gone. Um, Everton aside, and obviously Brentford in the opening day of the season was, was a a bit of a COVID situation which uh, we didn't have enough players missing to get the same clemency that other teams have but it did totally uh, screw up our early season plans And particularly as that was before the new squad was was put into place um, and Everton is just a team that inexplicably played badly against at their ground sort of three years out of every four I don't really know why, we just turn up and play like trash more often than not uh, that's something that needs to be worked out at some stage. Anyway I've probably been rambling a little bit i hope that it may have given you some pause for thought on a couple of things or l- made you uh, consider uh, some maybe some of the statistical elements um we're still obviously as a team as a during the season not creating enough over the course of the season uh you know you look at us compared to our opponents and we are we're particularly when when the game is not level we are struggling in terms of uh, you know, chance creation and, and chance suppression. Um, well, but the great comforting thing about these last two fixtures, I think, of we've taken the lead and we've pressed on rather than so often taking the lead and sitting back. Whether that's because we're at home or whether it's because of the, the, the style of the opponents, it, it's hard to be sure about. But either way, at this stage... I think every Arsenal fan, even with the fixture list that it is, would have accepted being fourth, fourth or fifth at this point. You know, if being within touching distance of a general top four challenge at this point of the season is as much of any of us hope for at the season opener. And indeed, even though the the you know the league table suggests that we will be passed by e- either Spurs or Man United or both when they've all played all their fixtures. Um, uh, you, you know, although Spurs' fixture list of Man United is going to get quite compressed with the results of you know uh, the the uh, uh, postponements of their games, so that that may be may be challenging for them later down the line. Uh, we know that Man United's game is going to be postponed this weekend, so points we all know points in the bag are a lot more important than <laughs> than than games to play. Um, and obviously there's still going to be some, you know, Spurs' game tonight is postponed. We don't know if they're going to be able to play on Sunday. So while it's entirely possible that some of our fixes may be impacted by COVID in the not-too-distant future, um, we've at least been able to get points on the board and get those games going. And, of course, we're now with a positive goal difference for the first time in a long time, <laughs> since pretty much since the season, well, since, uh, uh, since about... 15 minutes into the opening game of the season <laughs> so again something something to take uh, from where things have progressed onto looking forward to Leeds as I said they're going through a bit of a tricky patch at the moment Bielsa's magic is, rubbing, is running out slightly um, they've Got a few injuries at the back as well, or a lack of consistency of selection, certainly in the back, which I think makes them a bit more vulnerable. Obviously, they're a hard-running team. I think it'll make a big difference if Bamford's still out. I don't know what his injury status is, but um, you know, without him as a focal point, yeah, they've been struggling a bit. So. that should be a more winnable fixture than it was last time we played them at their place and hopefully this time uh, Nicola Pepe won't get sent off <laughs> for being wound up by someone um, interestingly today Bielsa's talking about not being too vain to recognise he might get sacked uh, which I suppose is only fair to say given their disappointing league position and the fact they got absolutely destroyed by Man City in midweek or earlier this week Um so yeah it's a good opportunity for us to go there and 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 take three points and you know the fixtures we've got on the horizon are relatively friendly as i've said and points in the bag are going to be more and more important given the way that omicron is likely to impact on quite a lot of fixtures going ahead so yeah get the points when we can i think is what what we need to aspire to doing okay well i yeah as i say i hope You've got something out of this uh not as much chat because there's only me uh but we'll get back on doing proper podcasts very soon uh we we didn't do one on monday this week uh after the southampton game as we might otherwise do because uh basically after the southampton game my computer blew up and i had to buy another computer <laughs> to be able to record this um so there's been quite a few sort of unscheduled disruptions but uh after christmas we should be back into some kind of regular recording schedule um so i look forward to being able to do that and be able to bring you more guests we've got a few guests lined up that we haven't been able to uh, get uh, on board just yet in terms of practicalities of timings and hopefully uh, well, that will help to improve the, the quality of discourse and content we're giving you um course do check out Stephen's videos on the YouTube channel he obviously does a tactical breakdown after every game which is definitely well worth a watch and we'll be looking at adding some video content to these podcasts as we go along Uh, certainly by the end of the season that will be in place so watch as well as listen to this space all right have a great week everyone Uh, stay healthy um, don't take any unnecessary risks. Uh, you know, this this variant might not be quite as deadly as its predecessors, but uh, that doesn't make anyone automatically immune to it. And uh, there's going to be a lot of people getting it in a short space of time. All right, look after yourselves. Bye-bye.